Do's and don'ts. This time, AW from last Wednesday night versus Raw. And I ain't seen Raw for a while and now I know why. Raw from this Monday night. And first of all, Wrestle Talk, you're welcome. Last week I talked about how AEW, if it rises in the ratings, and if the two WWE flagship shows, Raw and SmackDown, keep losing viewers, AEW might be challenging those two flagship shows. What happens a week later? Ollie from Wrestle Talk says exactly the same thing. Great minds think alike, or you're welcome, Wrestle Talk. I don't mind sharing it about. Let's see what happens from this week's. Well, first of all, do start strong. AEW did. They started with a 12-man tag straight away. Now, this could have been a cluster. could have been a mess. It could have been all 12 in the ring. It could have been referee not knowing what's going on. It could have been an unholy mess, but it wasn't. And the reason why it wasn't because of the people you've got in there, because of the booking, because they can wrestle, because you've already set up storylines to work through in this match. So what you've got are the Dark Order, who I'm not high on, you know that, on one side with Colt Cabana, versus the Tag Team Champions, Omega and Page, FTR and the Young Bucks. Great, great match. Superb psychology. Omega and Hangman good together at the beginning. A lovely four-on-three vertical suplex move. FTR showing how solid they are. And the Bucks flipping around. And they'll do a lot more of that later on. Quite early on, Dax got injured. And everybody had a knee injury. And most of the team, in fact... Almost all the rest of the team walked him to the back. So Omega is on his own fighting five men. This is a good story to tell. Who comes back next? The books. And particularly Matt Jackson is like a house of fire, if I can use that phrase. Lots and lots of great flips. Who's back next? And Shivani sells him. Tony Schiavone sells him like he's in WWE in 1988. It's Hangman Page making a return. Some great stuff as well. He's pretty hyped up. Lovely moonsault from in to out the ring on five of them. Of course, eventually the numbers game becomes too much. Cabana is given the pin by Mr. Brody, who's also in the match, of course. But at two and eight tenths, Omega comes in to make the save. Great stuff. Eventually... Mr. Brody gets the pin on Hangman Page. But, you know, that's not the important thing here, strangely. The important thing is that this match worked. It told a story. It built. It gave us little bits of storyline within. People were really elevated from this. And they made this work. This is one of the matches of the month. An incredible way to start strong. Over on Raw, don't 
start your night's programming with a contract signing. Even if one of the participants is the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, who's done so well since turning heel, do not have just a, f- a back and forth bits of chat, which of course they're going to do with the debate in AEW later in their programme, but it's so much better. Don't just have people chatting. This segment went nowhere until, in a kind of reverse Messiah situation, Dominic is in the the ropes tied up and is striped repeatedly by Rollins and his minion Murphy with a Singapore cane. And it looked legit because you should see the welts on his body. That was what heightened things, but it went on and on and on. AEW started with a bang, Raw slithered in. And that's not good. Do continue that crowd noise. Raw sounded muted. AEW sounded like everyone was really excited. And they maybe turned that crowd noise up or piped it in, which I said the WWE might have done last week. I don't know, but it certainly sounded more hyped up and more excited than Raw. And considering what happened on those shows, not surprising. But AEW, don't allow a man in the audience without a mask. In fact, it looks like the mask policy has slipped this week. Quite a few people not wearing one. The man in question was wearing a wrestling mask, a lucha mask, but that's not the right kind of mask, is it? Do give Santana and Ortiz credit for their great facial work. They had a match with best friends on this AEW Dynamite, and it was an okay match. Later on, there's a nice angle where they brutalise the uh, the car, which best friends came in, and of course, that's a loan from Mom, so that is a problem. Um, and they say later, you're going to have to apologise to my mom on speakerphone. But the match is okay. It's really heightened by the, un- the disbelieving and angry facials from Santana and Ortiz. And this is often forgotten, but they do it really well. Do allow MJF time to speak. Said it last week. This week he gets, th- gets time again. And this is a great angle, which is his push to the championship, to Moxley's AEW championship, but as a presidential campaign. And this week we see his campaign team, who all clearly hate working for him. The way, the reason why this works is because, obviously MJF is a great talker. It gives Wardlow something to do because he does need something to do. He's not good just hanging around, but like Hager. And also, in a strange way, MJF resembles in his activities... Trump doesn't know what's going on, trying to get through on bullishness alone. And what also happened this week is when he turned round, he had his jacket was rocked up at the back, so he looked a fool. And I know they didn't mean it, but it just added to it. So do give MJF the time and AEW a right to do that. Meanwhile, on Raw, WWE. Don't make Montez Ford's poisoning a major angle. 
This is again the difference between WWE at the moment and AEW. That's so soap opera. What AEW do is they wrestle and the angles come out of the wrestling most of the time. What WWE do is they create an angle, something they think they've seen on TV or is legitimate entertainment angle, and the wrestling grows out of that. That doesn't work. Of course, in Raw, on Raw this week, Andrade and Angelo Dawkins fought because of the poison angle, and they had a good match. Of course they had a good match. They are Angelo Dawkins and Andrade. They had a good match. It worked, but there was no point to it, really. But there is a do out of this. Do push Bianca Belair. Great on NXT. She's carried that heat through to Raw. She's great on the mic. She can do it in the ring. She's powerful. Here, she brutalized Alina Vega, who got some offense in. But we also saw Bianca Belair doing her military press slam spot, which shows how powerful and strong she is. And Belair gets the win. WWE, push her to the moon. One small thing, AEW, a don't. Don't allow allow a pint of claret to leak out of Matt Hardy's head. I'm sure that wasn't in, I'm sure that wasn't done on purpose. Of course it wasn't, but maybe cut it judiciously. It was visceral, and although it was interesting to see, we don't really need it. Back on Raw, do give MVP the mic whenever you can. He needs to talk for Shelton Benjamin. He needs to talk for big baby head Bobby Lashley. The Hurt Business is only good because MVP is good. And I loved his line this week about Apollo Crews didn't beat me. The lights were flicking on and off. It was the lights that beat me. It's a good little storyline. It's a good little um, line to use. And MVP, since he returned, has been excellent. Cruz came down to the ring, of course. He looks good. And, uh, yeah. Don't, AEW, stop the traction that Cody Rhodes' invitational tournament or invitational um, TNT title is having. Wrestling someone different every week is really over. I love to see it personally. This week... We didn't have it. Why? Because he's tagging up with his mate, Matt Cardona, who, of course, we know is um, is a, a, a WWE cast-off. We know he's Zack Ryder. Well, he was Zack Ryder. Shivani says he's the top free agent in professional wrestling. Well, that's like saying that the XFL is the top American football uh, franchise in the U.S., There is another wrestler that you might have forgotten, Tone, and he's called CM Punk. But AEW couldn't get him, could they? So here we have some of the Dark Order, a couple of the Dark Order, Reynolds and Silver, and I would expect them to not be squashed, but certainly be humbled. But they weren't. Early on, um, 
Cody, he uh, he worked with a rib injury. He likes to do that sort of stuff in the ring, psychology in the ring. That's okay. When Cardona came in, he was all right. Nothing special. They didn't work that well together. But, you know, the Dark Order members really did. And they showed us, just like they did last week, that they work really well together as a unit. And that wasn't good for the other two. Because if you want to get Cardona over, that didn't. And it just wasted a week of Cody's time. He didn't look great. And that's a problem. But what you do want to do is to show his next opponent, who happens to be Scorpio Sky. And that's happening next week. So this was a blip. I'll let him off. What I can't let off, though, and what I can't avoid is another don't for Raw, which is don't reheat the Nexus and tell us that breaking a window or flipping a car is the worst thing that can possibly happen. Oh, it's terrible, this resistance. Oh, they're awful. Step out of the door of the performance centre and see the death, the destruction, the terror, the racism, the fascism that is happening out there. If you want to get real, that's where you should be. Not in your billion dollar coated white tower. And while we're talking about billionaire coated white towers, don't let marshmallow-faced Shane McMahon back on my screen again. Yep, this was the second episode of Underground, which is just like an update of Brawl for All. And the way it was shown, it was it also looked like Street Fighter taking place in your mum's basement. First one we had was a little bit of Greco-Roman style with a little bit of hardcore thrown in. Riddick Moss wins and because of frustration runs to the edge of the little pit they've got and shouts can you see me now? Just at the moment that the camera cuts off him. Sums the whole thing up. We go back later on of course and there's a Brazilian fighter they're trying to get over. Can't remember his name. That's how effective it was. He brutalizes another fighter and he's raining down punches on top of him and Shane's shouting such interesting and important things like get out from under him. Great analysis that Shano. But what was pretty exciting and interesting was to see Shana Baszler transported into that world because that fits her character well. And let's see what they do with it. I suspect that Underground will be finished within a couple of weeks and thank goodness for that. Now, Raw, do let Ricochet and Cedric Alexander fight every week. Don't make the Viking Raiders into a comedy team. Here, they were fighting as part of a tag team, which might have been interesting, against Akira Tozawa's ninjas, which is not so interesting. And the match wasn't about that. It was about the ninjas, because right at the beginning of the match, one of the ninjas was slightly different. He didn't want to wrestle. He went to the ramp with Tazawa or Tazawa asked him to or he demanded I don't know and the match ended I don't know who won I suspect it was it wasn't the ninjas but that doesn't matter because this was all about that ninja that rogue ninja rolling up Tazawa and taking the 24-7 belt and of course it's revealed to be our truth 
commentary team say, Oh, now I understand. Do you? Well, we understood about five minutes ago. Back to the better stuff on AEW. And the debate. Do allow your best talker, Chris Jericho, to do some talking. Do it every week. And this was tailor-made for him. But don't cycle through all the available wrestling personalities and pick Eric Bischoff. The man looked like he was made out of teak. Of course, what we got here was five questions. First question, Jericho talks. Orange Cassidy, who's, of course, very over. And the other person in the debate, because they're going to have a big match next week. Doesn't say anything. Second question, Jericho talks. Same again. Third question, Jericho talks. And Cassidy talks. And he delivers a superbly scripted little speech about economics and politics and global warming. It's beautiful to see. Fourth question, no answer. Fifth question, Cassidy takes the mic. He tells Jericho to shut up. And he delivers an impassioned speech which we've not heard before and shows just what he can do. Of course, he's then brutalised by Hager, who's got nothing better to do and can't do much better than that. But Orange Cassidy is the real deal. He can wrestle. He's got a great gimmick. He's good on the mic. He's over. And that's wonderful for AEW. What isn't so wonderful is AEW's espousing of women's wrestling. Don't have one women's match on Dynamite, which happens to be a joke match based around Britt Baker. For Raw, do continue the excellent work in pushing women in your promotion. This is a bright spot in a very murky world for WWE at the moment. And tonight, it was Asuka, who I love as a wrestler, wonderful work. Great character work too. And Bailey, who's a great heel, doesn't want to be there. She was pushed into the match by her best friend, Sasha. And they have a great match. They have an energetic, tough match, which looks like they actually both care. Some lovely spots in these match in this match. Great selling from Asuka, from a leg lock from Bailey. Great octopus from Asuka on Bailey. And then they trade submission holds. This really works well. And eventually Asuka gets the pin. Keeps her rise going. Bailey can feed into how upset she is. Best match of the night. The crowd are silent. Do allow Darby Allen to compete for the championship belt. He's over. He's different. He can do it. He's only young, but they have the balls to put him in the main event spot, and that works. And early on, Mox was actually, he actually delivered a pretty good promo. I've not been happy with his promos. They're usually looking at him backstage among lots of metal. But tonight it was about, you're very like me, and I don't want to hurt you, so when you're beaten, stay down. That told the story of the match. Because Darby Allen wouldn't. He popped up. He kept going. Mox got really cheesed off at one point. He had him in a chin lock. And uh, Darby Allen gave him double middle fingers. 
so Mox tried to break one of them. Nicely mirrored later on, when uh, Darby Allen delivers a modified coffin drop, it looked like, from the top turnbuckle to the outside, landed on Moxley and appeared to have broken one of Moxley's fingers. Great match, a tougher match than you'd see elsewhere, and there wasn't enough wrestling on AEW this week. I think that's just a blip. But there were some lovely spots in this. Near falls galore. And there was interference, and usually I hate it because it's such an old wrestling signifier. But this was MJF, so there's a reason he's there. Plus, I like MJF. He nails um, Mox with the belt. Darby nearly pins him. There's a blade job. Mox is bleeding. And you do feel that actually Mox might lose this. That's the good work they put in. He's the champion and we're not expecting him to lose. But, you know, there's a feeling that maybe Darby Allen will sneak this. Of course, he doesn't. And in the end, he puts Mox in. He puts um, Darby Allen in submission holds. And Darby Allen fights out. And he hits him with so many moves. And Darby Allen kicks out. And eventually, he has to use his finisher, which he does. It's the paradigm shift. And Darby's put down. But he puts him over. There's lots of talking going on at the end between them. Lots of little talking. Darby Allen's put over even higher. And he's already over. Rather like Orange Cassidy, in a different way. And this is the strength of AEW. Just one of those strengths. What was the main event on Raw? After a pretty okay match between Randy Orton and Kevin Owens. Randy Orton's advisor, Ric Flair. They have a long, impassioned promo. And there was good back and forth here. Until Randy Orton low blows him after they'd had a hug. And Randy and uh, Ric Flair oversold it. So much so that he seemed to be having some kind of seizure. I hope he wasn't. But that's how you end Raw. Not on wrestling. On an angle. You'll notice if you... Look back at this. There are lots more do's and lots for AEW and lots more don'ts for Raw. There is little comparison between the two programs at the moment. One loves wrestling. One loves entertainment. That's the difference in the viewership. When will Raw wake up and see that? When will they wake up and realise that? If they don't do it soon, we'll be finding AEW sitting right at the top of the pile. And who would have thought that a few years ago? Ta-ta!